So welcome everyone to the CPP Group podcast on EU-China relations. How do you deal with a country that is your biggest trading partner and at the same time has human rights issues and geopolitical issues? That's what we're here to talk about uh, with uh, Miriam Lexman uh, of Slo Slovakia, member of the European Parliament of the Foreign Affairs Committee, the Subcommittee on Security and Defense. You were blacklisted by China uh, after the EU imposed sanctions, tit for tat. Uh, and uh, Radoslav Sikorski, welcome. Uh, we'll call you Radek for short. Uh, you are from Poland. You're also a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. You used to be the foreign minister uh, in uh, Poland. And you're also on the subcommittee on, uh, on uh, security and defense. And you're author of the new EPP Group strategy paper on uh, China. And joining us uh, from Berlin is Noah Barkin, a visiting fellow at the German Marshall Fund, a highly respected think tank, and the managing director of, managing editor, sorry, at uh, Rhodium Group. Uh, that is an independent research provider working with leading think tanks and universities in Europe, Asia, and the US. Um, let's start with a few facts. Uh, as we mentioned, that China uh, is the main trading partner for the EU. There's a new investment agreement to lower, to lower barriers for investment uh, that is yet to be approved by the European Parliament. Uh, it's also a strategic partner for the EU in certain aspects for fighting climate change, uh, for the global tran transition to renewable energy. So, you know, there's, a, there's you might say, yin and yang here, uh, but there are human rights issues involving uh, the Uyghur in Xinjiang, uh, in Tibet, in Hong Kong. Um, uh, Madame von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, uh, said that, uh, that China is a systemic uh, rival. Um, and then we talk about these sanctions against uh, Beijing, the EU, and also the US, the UK, and China impose sanctions uh, over uh, their, uh, over China's treatment uh, of uh, the Uyghur uh, in Xinjiang. Um, and uh, those, uh, those sanctions by the Chinese uh, were not only, of course, um, against Miriam, but against uh, four other members of the European Parliament. So a lot to talk about here. We're trying to cover as much ground uh, as we can. Uh, Miriam, you were uh, criticized uh, by uh, the uh, Chinese foreign ministry uh, among the others, as uh, severely harming China's sovereignty and interests and maliciously spreading lies and disinformation. What kind of lies and disinformation are you spreading? Well, I have to say that these sanctions against me came as a surprise, and especially mm -hmm. the language China has used, because I'm in politics literally one year. I joined the European Parliament in February last year. So how can I create such a big danger for such a big country, an influential country? I, I'm not sure. But of course... I have been a critic of the Chinese Communist Party as, as someone who comes from an ex-communist country, the mm. former Czechoslovak communist country. Uh, I think I can read maybe naturally because I come also from a distant family. So I, I could read the, some of the steps of the Chinese Communist Party. Mm. And I was surprised that the West did not deal with China as a communist regime, but we kind of fell into the trap that we started to deal with China as our partner, uh, mainly as our, our economic partner. Right. And I have been a big critic of the human rights situation, the Chinese international aggressive, uh, more and more so aggressive uh, 
behavior. I have been a critic of the human rights situation in mainline China, in Hong Kong, mm. and also the way how China is breaching international treaties and international deals. Right. So I'm also a co-chair uh, co of the Interparliamentary Alliance on China, and as well as a co co-chair um, and co-author or co-founder of, uh, of uh, informal European Parliament's cross-party group, uh, Hong Kong Watch Group. So maybe so more, more, more reasons for you to, uh, <laughs> to get yourself into trouble in this case. Um, yes, since but this in a, brought me into trouble. Yeah. Right, in a, in, in, a, in a good way, actually. Um, uh, let me turn to uh, Noah. Uh, Noah, uh, you um, were quoted recently, or you quoted recently one of German, Germany's officials as saying, we slapped them on the fingers, the Chinese, and they punched us in the face. Did China punch Europe in the face, according to you? Well, that's certainly how people here in Berlin are seeing it. But I think what's interesting is that we've had uh, European capitals in de-escalation mode since uh, these sanctions were imposed on European lawmakers, also on European academics, European research institutions. Um, so I think that is that that has been a bit surprising to me. Perhaps it shouldn't have been. Uh, you know, we saw uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel speaking with uh, Xi Jinping um, uh, last week. Uh, they did a call with Emmanuel Macron uh, this uh, just in recent days, and in the readouts of those calls, there's been no mention of the sanctions, which I found mm. uh, quite astonishing. Although I guess maybe that that the communication lines are still open is 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 a positive thing, though. Well, it's certainly uh, important to continue to to talk with China. Um, but I, I think European governments certainly need to stand up and, and condemn uh, this, mm. what was really a disproportionate sort of asymmetric response to the EU's decision to impose travel bans and asset freezes on four uh, Chinese officials tied to uh, the uh, abuses in Xinjiang. So this is yeah. really a disproportionate response. And European governments need to, to, to speak up and, and defend uh, their lawmakers and, and their academics. Mm -hmm. um, well, let me turn to, to Radek. And uh, your, the report that you uh, authored uh, last month, uh, you say at the, in, in this report, you say cooperate where possible, compete where needed, confront where necessary. Are we in that third stage of confrontation? I mean, not military, but we are facing off, right? In some narrow areas. Um, uh, look, China is a very important country that uh, has a history of much worse repressions in the past. During the Cultural Revolution, during the Great Leap Forward, tens of millions of people died. Yeah. And it's also, uh, the relationship is a product of our failed bet. Uh, in the early 1990s, we bet that if China becomes wealthier if we admit China into yep. the World Trade Organization. They'll become more democratic. If we give it yeah. uh, uh, the status of a, a market economy. Mm. They would liberalize at least in the economic sphere. Mm -hmm. And maybe one day also in the political sphere. Yeah. That's, this hasn't happened. Mm. So this is a product of, I'm afraid, our failure. Um, and I think also of Chinese mistakes. I think it's a mistake to sanction uh, European uh, lawmakers because it makes the passage of the investment agreement less likely. Yeah. 
Uh, because people are saying, uh, well, look, why is China playing hardball, as we've heard? Yep. And it is China that has dropped the Deng Xiaoping policy of build your strength and play for time mm. and adopted quite openly right. the wolf warrior diplomacy of Xi Jinping. Uh -huh. um, so China has become more aggressive, which I think is a mistake because it is creating ill will towards China around the world and is forcing countries into an, uh, an, an alliance um, of countries that are now afraid of China. Now, let's, let's talk about this investment agreement. This, uh, it's called the Comprehensive Agreement on Investment with China. It is still subject to approval by the European Parliament. Uh, it, uh, it allows greater access to Chinese markets by European businesses. That's what the, the European businesses were demanding for so long, right? And but, what the Commission tells us is yeah. that it comes to the level of the, of the stage one U.S. Uh, agreement with China. So we okay. are just, we're just doing catch-up. It, yeah. so, but it's an important step. Um, uh, but, but what's your thought? On this, I mean, should the European Parliament jettison this, or is this, are we are we shooting ourselves economically in the foot by not approving it? First of all, I'm told the text is not ready. Uh, what happened at the end of the German presidency was a political agreement to try to get it ready, mm. but it is not yet. And of course, we will examine it very carefully. There are provisions there that encourage China to. Uh, uh, join and sign up to the International Labour Organization conventions against forced labour. Mm -hmm. That will be uh, examined in great detail. Okay, so uh, it's the jury's still out, in other words. And I guess, I guess, same thing with Miriam. I mean, you're on China's blacklist. Are you ready to vote for this this uh, investment agreement that would benefit uh, a lot of businesses, right? I think it would be a great mistake if the parliament will close eyes again, I mean, about the sanctions and rat ratify or kind of scrutinize and ratify the, 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 the treaty while having members of the parliament sanctions. I, I think this, this should not happen because we need to react to the sanctions. It's not only the members, but mm. also it's, it's the full uh, human rights subcommittee, which is sanctioned. So I think that this is a big step from China vis-a-vis -vis us. And I don't think we should continue with the, uh, with the ratification, but while having sanctioned members and a subcommittee. Mm. But you, you mentioned the economic interest and Radek already mentioned uh, the human rights issue where we demand that there at least China will sign up for the ILO uh, convention. International because Labour we believe, Yes, because we believe that this is the, I mean, there is a potential to improve human rights, at least from the sector of the labor, labor rights. And if we don't fulfill, that means that we are more morally failing. I don't wow. think we can admit to to, to say that, okay, if the wording in the, in the document, and as Radek said, we still don't have the final wording, if the wording is saying only that China should get closer to the standards, to ILO standards, I don't think I can vote for it okay. because I know that China will not. Right. China will ignore it. And this has happened now with South Korea, exactly the same thing that the, the, the results of the court case was that South Korea did not uh, say that they are going to ratify. That means they don't need to implement it mm -hmm. or they don't need to get even closer because the time when they get closer to the standards, it's up to them. Right. But I will also come to the economic interest because I don't think we are meeting the potential of this treaty even in the economic interest. We are not prote protecting, for example, our companies from the 
Chinese intellectual thefts, which is a huge loss for our market. Yes, it supports some of the big companies, mm -hmm. but it doesn't meet the, the, the potential to protect our smaller businesses, uh, particularly in the in the area of the of the technology thefts, uh, in, uh, the, the property thefts. And in yeah. the US, the calculations is that the loss through the Chinese uh, intellectual property thefts are from 200 to 600 billion a year. So you're saying you're saying though that you're not outright saying no that you won't vote for it uh, and and erratic as well. I think both of you are saying that if there are improvements or if there are changes that maybe you might, right? Yeah, if if there if we are going to meet the potential of the treaty mm. because there are potentials in terms of human rights, in terms of economic improvements yeah. and if the treaty will meet the p potentials, I am ready to vote for it, but I don't think it will because from what we hear already now, yeah. it doesn't s seem like. Well, no, Noah, let me ask you, um, now, con considering the, the economic crisis that, that Europe is facing, can we afford to, to jettison this uh, investment agreement? Well, this investment agreement, in my reading, is is very much an incremental deal. Uh, Mr. Sikorsky mentioned that it's a catch-up to the phase one, which was also a very incremental deal. Um, so uh, I, I don't think that, um, you know, this, this is a deal that w wouldn't be approved, even if it, you know, if it is approved until next year. Um, it, it's going to take quite a while for uh, European companies to actually benefit from what is in this deal. And there are many, many of the uh, market access uh, gains uh, that are, you know, there are caveats. And, and, and many of them are, um, they're sort of embedding uh, promises that China made over the past years into, a, into an agreement. So, so this is not a big leap forward. It's, it's a, a, you know, baby step. Uh, okay. and, and I don't think that if this deal doesn't happen, that, that it'll be big negative for the European uh, no, economy. No great loss. Uh, so you're not arguing that, that we, should, we should accept it now as is, as a tiny step, and then go for a better deal later? No. Well, I, 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 what I'm saying is it's an incremental deal, and I think uh, I would agree that uh, I don't have the insight into the European Parliament's thinking that uh, mm. our other guests have, but... Uh, it, it, it's just hard for me to imagine that a deal uh, that following the, the imposition of sanctions on European lawmakers mm. who have to approve this deal, that they would then approve it. Okay. Well, let's, let's zoom out a bit, Radek, and, and let's look at, at EU policy toward China in general. I mean, you said it's outdated. What do you mean by that? Well, China used to be a um, populous but very poor country. Yeah. And 20 or 30 years ago, our sanctions would have been uh, uh, effective because uh, it was China that was seeking access to our markets. Mm -hmm. Today, China is one of the three largest economies on earth, to, together with us and the United States, and is an emerging, emerging superpower. Mm -hmm. So we no longer can have merely a trade policy towards China. This has to be a mature policy towards a country that has a sense of itself as returning to a position of, of great influence in the world. Mm -hmm. And there are some serious dangers out there. Uh, uh, for example, that the organizing principle of the rest of the first half of this century will be a Sino-American uh, rivalry uh, for who is number one in the world. Mm. And 
uh, as Europeans, we will be torn on this because on the one hand, we need to continue to trade with China. Yeah. And on the other hand, the United States is our close ally. Right. Um, so we need to have policies that will moderate uh, that relationship out there. And, and, uh, and that we have to find way, common ground within the EU itself because there are divisions within the EU in the, in the approach toward China, right? Well, there are some I, countries I, I that are a bit Ch more friendly to China than others, right? China is the, ki the, is, is the kind of issue on which I think every European country has to realize it's mm. a small country. Mm -hmm. you know, Poland is the size of a Chinese city you have never heard of. <laughs> and Germany is the size of one province. Of course, as individual countries, we have no hope of influencing yes, Collectively, you need Only to. as the European Union can be an equal partner with China. Okay, Miriam, how do you see it yourself? Similar or? I, I see similarly. What I think what we need to do is to kind of re, uh, rethink our strategy vis-a-vis -vis China, what we are doing. But what is important is that we should not have, no longer have our economic policy vis-a-vis -vis China, our human rights policy vis-a-vis -vis China, our security policy vis-a-vis -vis China, because it won't work. We have to bring all these compartmentalized policies into one very coherent strategy. Mm. And this strategy, I believe, because Radek said that we don't want to appear in a situation that uh, China and US are kind of rivals and we have to choose or we, we need to see what we what is our place. Yeah. I think our partner is the US. Our partners are democratic part of the world and we have to coordinate with them. Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have to coordinate, I say, with them our policy vis-a-vis -vis ch China. Of course, we can have independent policies, mm. but, but the policies should somehow be coordinated, be discussed. We need to learn from each other, take, uh, take examples. For example, I mean, we, we were discussing the, the CHI before. What, what happened is that Australia has an economic deal with, with China. China doesn't play a, a, according to the deal. So we yeah. have to be ready, we have to learn that to have a deal doesn't mean that China is acting according to the deal. Yeah. So I think this is very important is that we have to have one policy where we are not uh, uh, kind of... Uh, uh, compromising on our values and our human rights policy because of our economic interests, because this will turn against us. The, right. the policy should be one, and that policy should be based on our values and should be coordinated with our allies. Um, yeah, let, let me, Noah, let me ask you, what, what, what is your take on this? And, and, and considering that for the EU to act, at least on the, on, the, uh, on the council level, it has to be unanimous on these things. Like, for instance, uh, the scrapping the extra, suspending the extradition treaties. There are some countries that are standing in the way of doing that. I mean, I'm reading today about Hungary, for instance, uh, uh, not being uh, positive on that. Um, how do you see this? How can Europe actually reorient its, its policy uh, when it, it, it's held up by that kind of thing? Well, I think it starts with the big countries like uh, Germany and, and France. Uh, I think one of the problems, although German Chancellor Angela Merkel has talked about the need for a common European policy on China, is that uh, Germany has not really been willing to pay an economic price for uh, a, a tougher uh, policy towards China. Um, you know, there's this 17 plus one forum, which includes Poland, um, and uh, that, that is criticized a lot here in, in Berlin. 
but, you know, Berlin is pursuing its own agenda as well. And I don't think um, Germany or France have really done enough to sort of bring European countries together uh, behind a, a more realistic uh, policy, which, which does not compartmentalize in the way that we're seeing in Europe now. Uh, pretending that you can do business on Monday and you mm. uh, impose sanctions on human rights sanctions on Tuesday. It, it's very difficult to uh, uh, to keep that juggling act going, I think, and will be more difficult with the with the, the Biden administration putting pressure on Europe. Okay, uh, Radek, we you know uh, no, uh, Noah mentioned seventeen plus one, um, but isn't it couldn't it be beneficial for countries like Poland? At 17 yeah, but he also mentioned that Germany is freelancing with China, yeah. which it is. <laughs> mm. um, uh, the common ground is obvious. We should do what the Treaty of Lisbon says. Mm. Uh, carry out uh, the treaty, which says that we should agree the policy in the Foreign Affairs Council and then loyally support the High Rep and the President of the Council in carrying it out. Yeah, but that's and not happening. And it's not happening on any of the more, most important issues yeah. with a huge loss to our effectiveness. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and China is the kind of challenge which I hope will concentrate minds because competition with China is inevitable because of the dynamics, because mm -hmm. of the ideology, mm -hmm. because of the system of alliances and so on. Mm -hmm. The point is to manage the competition in such a way so as not to lose the trade and so uh, as not to boil it, uh, allow it to boil over because it's the last thing we should wish. Uh, the 17 plus one, I, I should explain, it's uh, two months ago, China held a virtual 17 plus one meeting with Eastern and Southern European countries. Um, and, and, and this is what we're talking about here is uh, to, to, to what extent are those countries perhaps um, doing their own dealings with China and maybe undermining European policy? What about some of the, con the, the candidate countries like, like Montenegro, uh, which is, uh, is, has a 1 billion euro um, a road loan from China? Um, and, and some could see that as debt diplomacy, uh, putting, putting, uh, turning up the screws on countries like Montenegro. Montenegro how, how much are you concerned about this? fell in the same trap as, uh, as Sri Lanka before. Mm. And I think as allies, we need to uh, uh, exchange information, coordinate, and, um, and warn allies uh, that uh, there are some consequences. Warn them, but the EU said, we're not going to bail you guys out. Well, warn and bail out is not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true. But um, look... Uh, uh, smaller countries in Central and Eastern Europe feel that you know, China is not going to pay attention individually to them. Mm. So when China uh, comes and says, look, you can have a, a sim somewhat similar relationship that we have with Germany with privileged access, but if you stick together, yep. that's attractive to them. Okay. So Germany needs to get serious about this and say, right, we will allow all of the EU into the kind of re uh, uh, relationship we've had uh, with China, and from now we will pursue the policy together. Okay. And then it makes sense. Let me, because I mean, we're running out of time, but I'd like to, I'd like to cover on, on how we can better cooperate. And, you know, we've, we've, the Europeans, the Americans are talking to the Chinese about how to better cooperate on fighting climate change on the energy transition. Um, Noah, what potential do you see there? And how can that perhaps you know, save the relationship in that sense? Well, climate is, is the topic that uh, everyone uh, holds up as an area of potential cooperation. And I think uh, 
you know, it, it is good to see uh, European leaders talking with Xi Jinping about climate. Um, uh, you know, it, it's been the, the Americans who've been sort of uh, absent on this issue under the Trump administration. Uh, but I think, you know, Europe needs to talk with China about climate, but it shouldn't be under any illusion that, uh, uh, that, by, that it needs to uh, accommodate China on other issues in order to get uh, China's buy-in on climate change. China will, uh, will move on climate change because it's in its own interest. Mm. It's not sure. uh, going to be encouraged to move because, uh, because European countries or the U.S. is, is being uh, more conciliatory on other issues. But is that an issue maybe to, to keep separate from human rights uh, issues and, and geopolitical issues? Is that possible to do? I mean, I understand that the, the meeting between John Kerry and the Chinese recently did that. They stayed clear of, of human rights issues when they, when they talked. They just talked about climate and energy, well, I think right? That, yeah, I, I think that's the big question. I mean, the message from the Chinese side is that you cannot uh, decouple these these issues, you you know, you you can't uh, be friends on climate on 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 one day and then and then criticize China on human rights uh, the next day. Mm. Um, but what the Kerry she uh, meeting showed was that uh, this this can perhaps happen at least uh, to a limited degree, uh, and and we're going to see you know in the build up to COP26, the climate summit later this year, if uh, if China moves, if China sort of puts some meat on the bones of its. Uh, uh, um, CO2 reduction uh, goals. Uh, I think that's a big question. If Europe yeah. and the U.S. can work together on this, that's all the better. Okay. Miriam, how do you see that yourself? I, I, I believe that, as, uh, as it was mentioned, that uh, China, it's in China's interest to change its uh, attitude towards climate change and, and start to be more green and, and make a more green production because it knows that yeah. that uh, it will be difficult to cooperate economically furthermore mm. if they are not going to meet the, the ecological standards. On the other hand, uh, I believe that uh, now uh, we have to, as I said, that we have to coordinate better on the pressure. I believe that we need to stick to our values. We should not say that, okay, I mean, if China makes a move in terms of green uh, standards, we are going to be more silent on human rights. I mean, it, right. it, it doesn't work like this. Just, I believe that yeah. we really have to be principled because we have burned our fin fingers. As Radek already mentioned, we already we started in the 90s where we believe that our economic cooperation with China will change the other issues, will mm -hmm. make China more, more free, more democratic, uh, meet human rights standards. We already know for years that this is not working and we were silent because we, we had economic gains on we believe. Now we are losing out economically too and we should not any longer uh, allow us to, to, to be in the trap that we are going to push for something because we believe a potential there and we kind of hide the other mm -hmm. uh, values. We have yeah. to be principles in every step and that will, I think that only will bring revenues. I'd like to, I'd like to end this with a, a closing thought, um, if anyone would like to, to, mention, to comment on it. But uh, uh, Sun Tzu, The Art of War, the, the, who wrote The Art of War, the Chinese book, said, the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. How do you see Chinese foreign policy and European foreign policy in that regard, Radek? That's a tough question, and I, this, I'm popping this on you just like that. Uh, and uh, 
the Chinese game of Go, unlike chess, is not about taking the king, it's about creating advantages and then persuading your adversary that it's in his interest to yield. Uh, we do need to uh, study Chinese culture. This is going to be a, um, a, a, a century-long um, uh, challenge. Uh, we, need, we should not censor ourselves, right. uh, but we should treat China with respect. This is a, a large country with a rich history that has not said the last word yet. Maybe a last word um, from Noah. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, Europe does need to rethink its China policy. I think it, I would agree uh, with uh, Mr. Sikorsky that uh, uh, Europe doesn't understand China well enough, that it needs to invest in, uh, in getting to know China better. It's very hard when uh, many people are asking themselves whether they can travel to China these days, that makes it much more difficult. These sanctions make it more difficult. But certainly, Europe needs to invest in understanding China in order to, uh, in order to respond to China in a, in a joined-up, concerted way. Noah, thank you so much. Thank you to Miriam as well uh, and to Radek. Thank you. It was really great. Thanks for, to all of you for uh, watching uh, or listening in uh, to the CPT Group podcast. And we'll see you next time.